seat. Happy daylight savings, spring forward. This is the, my favorite day of the year just because it will get dark at what, 10 p.m. tonight or something like that. But I am like severely missing that hour of sleep that I was supposed to get last night too. So it's kind of a, you know, uh, uh, win-lose on that one, bittersweet. Um, so we're driving down the, the road the other day, Christy and I on I-70, and on, on the back of a, of a tequila truck, a truck that had, a, I'm assuming had a bunch of tequila on it, in it, because it had, it was like, I forget which kind of tequila it was. It had these letters, I-Y-K-Y-K, on there. You want to put that up? And I was like, I-Y-K-Y-K, and Christy's like, well, if you know, you know. And I was like, yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, and it's like, you know, one of those moments where I didn't feel all that smart. I-Y-K-Y-K, if you know, you know. This is, it, we're starting a new series this morning called If You Know, You Know, and it's about the parables of Jesus, and, and we're going to find out here in a second that Jesus actually used parables a lot of times to, to um, preach and, and teach people who had ears to hear, and, and some people got it, and some people didn't, so we're calling it If You Know, You Know. And uh, just, just to, for those of us who are slow on the uptake, like myself, on the whole an acronym, you know, texting abbreviations, internet acronyms, internet slang. I just want to throw you a bone this morning, and, and here's some ones that you need to know when it comes to internet slang. So here, put that up on the board. We'll start, you know, on level one, LOL, laugh out loud. I, this is hilarious. I was, this is years ago. This is like probably pushing 15 plus years ago, back when like internet slang was just becoming a thing like in gaming and stuff. And I had this kid in my youth group, and he was kind of quirky, and he's like, hey, come play video games with me. So I went over to his house one day, and, and he's like playing this video game with people online, and, and he's constantly typing, at, and when he's typing something, at the end of everything, he says, LOL. And I was like, Joel, do you know what that means? He's like, nope, but everybody says it, so I just keep typing it. <laughs> you know? So LOL, by the way, BTW, IDK, I don't know, just kidding, to, yeah, with TMI. Yeah, that one's a good one. Uh, BOGO, King Supers, anyone? Anyone? King, yeah, buy one, get one. BYOB. You watching your kids? You guys watching your students to see if they know how to bring your own beer? Bring your own beer or bring your own bacon? One of the two. Uh, next slide. Let's kick it up a notch. Be right back, right? In case you missed it, I C Y M I. Yeah, in case you missed that one. Uh, uh, TBH, there you go. GG, good game. good game. Yep, if you watch Dude Perfect, that's a you know, good game. Uh, TTYL, talk to you later. This is an interesting one. And then there's the TTFN, Tata for now, goes way back to like Winnie the Pooh. And even before that, see, some of you guys know this. Like, this is way before internet slang and the Google was a thing. Um, there was TTFN. Uh, hit me up, HMU. Okay, all right, last round here. This is the master class right here. Okay, let's just, you know, like, like oh, oh so, so some of you got the first one, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, now this next, the, the ones that all start with P's, this is for the parents, right? I'm, I, and students, I'm sorry to do this to you, I'm blowing your cover. P A W, PAW, parents are watching. Parents in the room, P-I-T-P, -P. <laughs> P, 
PBB, parents behind back. <laughs> uh, P-O-M-S, palms. Parents over my shoulder. So it, basically parents, anything, if your kids are texting something with a P, it concerns you. Just, you know, throwing your bone here. Okay, how about this one? T-L-O-L-B-A-H-C. Typing, laughing out loud, but actually hysterically crying is that one. And then just to throw off everybody, RMST GDR is Rocky Mountain Small Town Grub Down Revival. No one knows that except for my roommates in college. We made this thing. Every Tuesday night, we'd go find a new burger up here in the mountains at like a, like a local little joint. And we called it the Rocky Mountain Small Town Grub Down Revival. And we called, you know, hey, you going to RMST GDR tonight? You know, oh, I can't make it. I got too much homework. Come on, man. You know, like, like, and we made bumper stickers that said RMST GDR on them. It was just like, you know, those are, those are some of the anachronisms. Now, I promise this has a point, all of this. Like, we're, we're not going to be talking about internet slang, and I'm not going to use a bunch of internet slang for this, this series, but um, it's a series that's about the parables of Jesus. And like I said, honestly, when it came to parables, like these kinds of information, you know, like, like we, use, we use internet slang for, in a lot of different ways, right? We use it to, to shorten things up, to save time on typing, you know, to make people who really don't know what's going on feel bad, or we use it to, to the people who don't know like, what it means, it makes us feel bad, so we don't want to hire the next generation of people who are using it and that kind of stuff. Like, but like God, like Jesus, when he spoke, he used communication, and he used these things called parables to get a point across, actually in a very quick way. But like, he, like a lot of the parables are really short, and they're packed full of information. And at the end, there was, there was two, in a sense, there was two kinds of people in the end of the parables. At, at the end of listening to the parables, there was two kinds of people. Those who knew and those who didn't. Those who the, the message got across to and it meant something to them. Or, or a lot of times it would go like this for those who knew. The, the, the words would come out of Jesus' mouth and they'd be like, what? What does that mean? All those stories, like, what does that mean? But then they'd go home and they'd think about it. And through thinking about it, through wrestling with it, they'd find meaning in it. And here's, here's the thing, and this is kind of like what I want us to, to think about today is when it comes to spiritual things, a lot of times the cookies aren't necessarily on the bottom shelf. We have to work for them a little bit. If you've struggled and wrestled, if you're struggling and wrestling right now with the concept of God and what you believe and is it real and why doesn't he just make himself more known if he is real? One of the things you need to know when it comes to spiritual things is sometimes we've got to dig. That's, like one of, that's why one of the reasons Jesus' thing, one of the things he taught a lot was, hey, ask, seek, knock, and the door will be open to you. There's, there's this kind of, you know, attitude within the Gospels, like sometimes we need to try harder, stupid. Like, keep at it. Don't lose faith. Don't lose, uh, don't lose steam when it comes to spiritual things. And so there's, there's these parables. And here's what a parable is. Go ahead and put that slide up. It's a short story 
that is told in order to make a moral or religious point. Uh, It's a fictitious story with a true point. A lot of times the story, the, the, the parables that Jesus told, they're not true stories. They could be based on true stories, maybe, but they're not actually true, but they make a true point. And then this is, this is maybe my favorite um, way of looking at parables. If parables had a subtitle, they'd be this. Delivering heavenly truths in earthly packages. Deliver, delivering truth of, of, the, of the kingdom of God in an earthly box. In a box that's, you know, like, that we can open because, he, like Jesus was using, he's, he's from heaven and he's teaching about heavenly things, kind of things that are above our pay grade in a sense a lot of times. But he's doing it in a way that, that kids can understand, it, that, that, that us as adults, that we're sometimes dense, we can't, you know, he puts it into earthly packages so that we can understand it. He had somewhere between 30 and 40 parables, depending on who you talk to, which is amazing, like, how many there are. Like, like um, it, 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 what else is amazing about him is, is uh, about, like, if you look at his teaching, about a third of his teaching in the Gospels is parables. Isn't that incredible? So one out of three words of Jesus in the Gospels is him talking about a parable. We, we need, if you want to be a Christ follower, we need to understand these stories. These stories that are like, you are the light of the world. Or they start with, do not judge lest you be judged. A farmer went out to sow his seeds. These, these are the earthly boxes, right? The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field or a mustard seed, or a king, or a merchant, or a man who planted a vineyard, or a man who went on a long journey, a man who had two sons. See, what's incredible, like when we think, think about all of what I just read, think about how much even in pop culture, this, this kind of like a mustard seed and the idea of light of the world, uh, like all these phrases, right? That like they, they, they're become part of our culture. Even if you haven't read the Bible much, you're not that familiar with the, the New Testament, you're probably familiar with one or like multiple or many of those because they're kind of everywhere, which is remarkable, Right? I mean, how, what, how many words do we say? Does anybody remember that whole thing? Like, how, how many words we say? And like, women have more men, more words than men, and that whole thing? 21,000 for women and like 2,000 for men or something? 7,000 for men. You know? We say a lot of words. And then nobody remembers hardly any of those words that we, you know, like those 21,000, between 7 and 21,000 words that you said yesterday. Do you remember what you said yesterday? If you don't remember them, guess what? No one else does. But here we are 2,000 years later, reading words from this Jewish rabbi in the middle of nowhere in the Roman Empire who told stories that stuck with people, stories that they would end up writing down. And it's not just, we talk about this all the time, it's not just what about Jesus taught it's the fact that he you know, died and rose again. That's why, that, that, I mean, if he didn't die and rose again, we wouldn't have these words. He would have been forgotten in obscurity. That's what we believe as Christians, because it's like 
yeah, they're good, but they would, have just, they would have just been swept under the rug as another guy who died. But he died and rose again, and then they started writing down these words, and these are probably things that he taught over and over again. The, and, and here's the thing about stories. There's the, well, here, let's put it this way. Jesus, there's a reason why Jesus, like Jesus taught out of, out of using parables and, and stories, and here's, the reason, here's three reasons why. Stories stick, Right? Stories have a way of just, not just, it's like, the, it's not that just sticking into our, our brains, it's almost like they're in our hearts, a good story, you know? Like, like kids you know, in school, students, you probably, if I asked you, what did your teacher in fifth hour teach you on Tuesday, you'd be like, yeah, good luck, bro, I have no idea, Right? It was history, maybe, or is that sixth hour? You know what I mean? Like, just it just doesn't you know, like. And, but but here's the thing: if you go watch a movie, Ant Man and the Wasp is out right now. I haven't seen it yet, but like my guess is, if you go watch that Marvel movie, because Marvel's pretty good at telling story, you you'd be able to, like at the end of that movie. It, I could even I could even say. This, I could surprise you with this. It wouldn't even be like, hey, I want you to go watch this movie and then tell me about it. I could just, you know, jump you coming out of the theater and be like, hey, what was, what was that about? And my guess is you could almost do a scene by scene or like, like you definitely could do a rough outline and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened, right? Let's try something here. Fill in the blank with me. A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, the age of foolishness. That's Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities. Once upon a time, in a land far away, there was a princess. Once upon a time, there was a king. Like, that's a formula for a lot of stories that we're familiar with? Try this one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, story has a way of just sticking with us. And Jesus, as the master teacher, knew that. The man that we believe came from heaven that wanted to bring us truths about, the he- about heaven, about God himself, Knew that when he came to earth, if he just said, do this, do this, do that, you know, like, like, again, the Ten Commandments, they're important, but like if I said, if I hand around the mic and said, Ten Commandments, here you go, Luke, he just backs away. Like, we just don't, we don't have, bullet points are hard for us to remember, but story sticks in our heart, and Jesus knew that, so he used story. Another reason he used stories, stories, especially his, were always personal. Here's a clue when reading the, the parables. Every parable has these elements in it. God is a character, and we are a character. God is a character, and we are an element. There, in every parable, there's God, and then there's us. It's pretty remarkable. Like It's without fail. When you read the parables, and just like a good story, the best stories, again, like going back to like Ant-Man and the Wasp, you go watch that movie, and part of, if, if you like the movie, 
It's a proven fact. The reason we like the movie is there's something in it we identify with. There's something in their story that is true about our story or that we wish was true about our story. And so we connect with it. And the point of the parables is, again, heavenly truths and earthly boxes that, that Jesus is trying to get us to connect with, to get us to see ourselves in it. And in some cases, even be honest with ourselves as to where we are. A man had two sons. Which one are you? The son that ran away and came home and actually came home and, and actually connected with the father? Or the son that didn't run away and is in danger of never connecting with the father? It's really interesting. I, I, I read this recently that in the Western world, when we talk about, and, and we, you know how we have those little headings in our Bibles? Those are actually not part of the ancient manuscripts themselves. So it's like, if it says the parable of the two sons, or the parable of the lost coin, or the parable of whatever, you know, like that, those don't appear in the manuscripts. We put those in there. And, and it's good. It's not a bad thing. But sometimes it leads us astray a little bit. In this case, in the Western world, when we read the parable of the prodigal son, it's about the son that ran away. If you go to other cultures, more in the Mediterranean world, they're, like you talk to them, they're like, that's not a, that's, we're not, it's not, the key component of that is not the, the son that ran away. It's, it's a message to the son that stayed. Because how does it end? At the end of the prodigal son, the prodigal son, his story arc has completed. He's home with the father. And at the end of the parable of, of the, uh, the, the prodigal son, how does it end? It ends with the story arc in the middle for the older brother. who's still. We leave the story and he's still mad. Isn't that interesting? Stories stick with us. Stories are, are always personal. They're meant to, to especially Jesus's, we're meant to, to see ourselves in it. And then lastly, like I've said already, stories, these parables, are meant to make us think. They're meant to, to present truths that, that don't, like, a lot of times, and don't we do this, guys, when we come to God, we come to God, God, how many times do we end up praying, God, will you give me clarity? God, will you give me answers? And we just kind of wish that like through prayer or through thinking, we could just figure out like, God, can you just tell us it's 27? You know, and we're like, oh, sweet, 27. I never thought about that. But the, the reality is, it, it, what did you say? I said the answer is 42. Oh, it's actually 42. Yeah, but, but we're, <laughs> thanks, Roy. But what we're looking for, it's just this clear cut, now I know what to do. And, and guys, can we just be honest? Life isn't like that. It's more gray than that. It's more nuanced than that. One of my favorite things that Jesus does to the parables, because people were constantly trying to pigeonhole him. They're trying to get him in trouble. So they were trying to, they would ask, answer, they'd ask questions, complex questions, and demand a simple answer. Don't you hate it when people do that to you? And people did it to Jesus all the time. And he's, he's, he's the master communicator, and he's the master at that. Like, there was one time this guy walks up to him, and he's like, you know, who should I love? And, and Jesus is like, you should love your neighbor. And he's like, well, who's my neighbor? You know, like, define it. And Jesus just turns to him and says, a man was walking to Jericho. 
when he was jumped by some thieves. And a rabbi walked by and didn't help him. And a priest didn't walk by and didn't help him. But then a lowly Samaritan walked by and he helped him. Who's his neighbor? A lot of times Jesus would answer questions with parables. There were times when Jesus literally, like you'll read the Gospels and it's just parable after parable after parable after parable. And then it says, you know, like Jesus was in this town and he only spoke to people in parables. And it's like, Jesus, if you, don't you want, and the disciples, you see the disciples, they're like, what the heck, bro? Why are you doing this? I thought you wanted to actually want people to know what you're talking about, right? And he's like, you don't understand. I want to make them think. I don't want to just give them answers. I want to make them think. And the parables are just as true today, doing that for us if we want. We want, don't you want answers? Wouldn't you love clarity? Isn't there things you want to understand more? The parables are sitting there open to you. And those who know, they know. Those who, like, those who've spent the time, you've been on the other side, and it's like, that is so meaningful. I never thought about it that way. Stories are meant to make you think. And that's why Jesus used them so much. Guys, here's the deal. In, in, in an average sermon for me is probably somewhere between six and 10,000 words. And I'm trying to get it to more of the six than the 10,000. I apologize for the 10,000s lately. Jesus' parable, the one we're going to read today, is like one of the longer ones, and the whole account is about 500 words. One of his parables, we'll look at it in a couple weeks, I love it so much, is 35 words. My goal for today is, is pretty simple, is to get you guys to, like, if you, can, if you go home this week and just spend time with one parable and get something meaningful out of it, that I've won. That's, that's my goal. My goal also today is to just kind of get out of the way and read, like, like get out of the way and just let the parables speak, one, one parable in particular, speak for itself. I literally thought about doing this, like doing this really dramatic thing and just like reading a parable and then just walking off stage and then just leaving it silent. But I thought, yeah, let's, you know, I got a flair for the dramatic. That's a little too much though. Just dry on, just. So what we're going to do is you have to have your Bibles. You have to have a Bible in front of you. Turn it to Matthew 13. I want to look at the parable of the sower and the seeds. And the reason you have to have a Bible is I'm going to, again, I don't want to do a bunch of commentary. I don't want to do a bunch of, I just just want to to read this parable. We're going to read through it once. I'm going to do a little bit of commentary. And then I'm going to present three questions to you. I'm going to read it again. And then I'm going to leave the stage and just let you reflect. We're going to play a song, and you're just going to, you can read the parable again. Like these, this, parables are okay to read over and over. It's like poetry. Guys, here, look at me for a second. Um, we, when it comes to the parables, one of the things that we have to understand is um, it's more like looking at a painting than looking at a spreadsheet. 
like a painting, like an artist paints a painting, and, and no artist that's a true artist paints anything that doesn't have meaning, at least to them, if not to, for other people, right? And sometimes they paint that meaning right on the nose, on the face. It's right there for anyone to see, walk by and see. But then there's, there's paintings like this one that's in the back. This is, this is Rembrandt right here. We'll talk about it in a couple weeks. There's layers to this. The, the, Henry Nouwen wrote a book uh, about the prodigal son, and part of what he did was actually just go sit. He found, I forget where it is. It's like in Brussels or something like that, this, this painting is. And he, got like a, he, got like a, he was able to do a private showing and, and sit with this painting for like three hours and just stare at it. Now here's the deal. I, I want to call something out here. Some of us are the type of people who stare at paintings and some of us are not. Can I just level set? Okay, so, so I, we have this painting in our, our front foyer that's really cool. And it's like, it's this whole story of this guy from the 30s who lived in Denver and our friends got it from their house in Slida and now it's in our, our, our front entryway and it's beautiful. And I, sometimes I just walk by it and I look at it. You know why? Because I'm, I'm kind of one of those guys that doesn't get internet slang but does stare at paintings every once in a while. Not like all the time, but like enough. And, and I, Christy and I were talking about it. I was like, do you ever look at that painting? She's like, no way, I just walk right past it. And I realized there's two types of people in this world. But I'm inviting you in, regardless if you're the type of person who stares at paintings or not, there's a lot in these words. There's a lot of, 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 there's a wealth of meaning here in these 500 words that we're about to read. And I invite you in. And in a second here, like, uh, again, we're going to read it. I'll make a couple comments on it. And then I'm going to read it again. And then we'll play a song, and, and I've got three questions for you to think about in relation to this. But let's, let's dive in. This is Matthew 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on shore. Can you picture this? So this is the lake, this is the Sea of Galilee in northern Israel. He's in a boat, because he did this often because people were crowding around. They, that idea of like personal space with Jesus kind of went out the window when Jesus came into town. Like the people were just like clamoring to, to get near him because you could be healed. I mean, imagine being, anyway. So the people, he had to get in a boat and he kind of backed the boat off. And it, a lot of times the lake in that area kind of go, it just rises up out of the water. And it's formed this natural amphitheater with the, with the water in front of the boat just kind of amplifying up into the people. You can picture it? Verse 3. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And he was scattering the seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came up and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants out. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 
100, 60, or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to these people in parables? Just tell us what you mean, Jesus, right? He replied, because the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more. That's not fair. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken fair. That's really not fair, taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they don't see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I tell you, Many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but do not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. And in this rare moment, Jesus actually unpacks one of his parables. This is something he barely ever did. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they, fall, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. A man went out to sow his seed and he just threw it. He just threw some on a path threw some on some rocky soil, threw some on, on good soil, threw some, you know, weeds are growing there. I'm still I'm just going to throw some there. And here's the thing. There are different methods of sowing seed, of, of putting seed in the ground. In fact, if you would look at like modern practices of seed, a lot of it is mechanized. And it's like a drill that goes into the ground and puts the seed at just the perfect depth underneath the soil. And the, the return on that seed growing is, is phenomenal. 
99 point something percent of like seeds that go in the ground end up sprouting up and producing something. You know, in, in the ancient world, they would have probably done something similar. They, they, would, have, they would have cleared the ground. They would have raked it up because they know that the putting, you know, aerating the soil will probably be good for the seed. They probably sometimes plant it in the ground. But there's also this kind of broadcast shotgun method where you just kind of throw. And that's what they're talking about here. That's what Jesus brings up here. This is the method that the sower, who in this case is God, right, wants to, he, he's, he's, he's very, this is a very generous way of sowing seed. Because in the ancient world, I mean, this is, this is true now, but in the ancient world, if you, in an agrarian culture, none of this would have been missed on Jesus' audience. This was precious. This was stuff that you wish you could eat, but you don't dare eat it because you need to keep it so that you have, if you don't, you don't have anything for next year, right? I mean, it's pretty simple. And yet here's the sower, and he's just throwing seed everywhere. You threw seed on a path? This would not have been lost on them. And Jesus said, this is God. And this is, this is a beautiful picture of God, and I think it's a very apropos picture of God and what I believe about God, because I see God as a very generous God. That even though we can't see him, even though he's not here right in front of us, even though we, there's no Q&A sessions with him, one-on-one, you know, he's still generous in the way he, he, he is sprinkling, this is what I believe, I believe he's sprinkling seeds throughout your life and mine all the time. He's generous with his truth, generous with his grace, generous with his knowledge of him in his own way. And he's, t- he's constantly tapping us on the shoulder and saying, can I come in? C- tapping us on the shoulder and saying, this is, here's a seed Here's a spiritual seed. This is how you can look at the world. I, I want this to grow in your heart. And the, the reality is that sometimes we receive it and sometimes we don't and sometimes we don't even notice it happened. And so here's the questions I want to leave you with this morning as, as we wrap up. I'm, again, I'm going to read this fully again just so you can hear it and, and listen to it, but put those questions up. Where are you in this parable? What type of soil are you right now? Where is God sowing seeds in your life right now? Where is he just kind of tossing things into your life? And, and, and here's the thing, seeds, we would like seeds to be these blessings and, and great things. And some you know, seeds come in many forms. Seeds come in hard seasons. As in the forms of hard seasons, and in, in the forms of law, in the forms of loss sometimes, we can find seed, we can find spiritual truth to grow in. So where is God sowing seed in you right now? And the question is, is, is it lost on you? That's the question I've been rattling, it's been rattling around in my brain all week, is like, God, I know you're doing things in my life. Is it lost on me? Is it just getting scattered on a path and a, a callous part of my heart? that doesn't receive what you have to give me? Because my prayer for, for us in, in, this, in this season leading up to Easter and in, during this, this, this time with this, with this series, my prayer is that God's goodness, His grace, His truth, His seeds would not be lost on you. Would not be lost on me. But it would grow in our hearts to produce 160 or even 30 times what was sown. A farmer 
went out to sow his seeds. Verse 4, as he scattered the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came 